Today, I wanted to talk about engaged awareness with parts of ourselves. And the idea of parts of ourselves is not like a new concept. The uh, advertisement for the retreat, the saying, watching the moon at midnight, solitary mid-sky, I knew myself completely, no part left out. From Nun Izumi in the year 1000. And that was her enlightenment poem, so... She knew herself completely, no part left out. So it's an essential part of our concept of becoming whole. And Walt Whitman, who many of you know is very spiritual, he said, do I contradict myself? Very well, then I contradict myself. I am large, I contain multitudes. (laughs) (laughs) And in the ancient Twine tradition, they actually identified emotions and mind states as family members. Yeah, so Kapuna Abraham Kavai'i from Kauai, he said, Everything you feel and everything that is here is a member of your family. In your mind, if you are angry, that is a member of your family. If you are sad, that is a member of your family. So you adjust the members of your family so that you stand powerful in your place at the center of your universe. To build and manifest the depth of yourself, you need to adjust yourself in the way that affects your family inside. In a loving and unassuming way, understand yourself totally and completely. Approach each one of your family members with dignity. The pathway through fear is a pathway to being with oneself. Fear is a child of yours. Grief or anger can only be an obstacle when you don't recognize it as a family member. A family member is never an obstacle. It is a gift. What if we let all parts of ourselves be like family members? And I like to talk about little kids because when we have a little kid, we have a lot of openness and compassion for children. So in a way, our meditation is like letting all the kids... All the parts of ourselves, the one that says, I don't want to be here, I do want to be here, just let them all sit around you. And then there's just the awareness. And, you know, in Buddhist practice and Vipassana, we're often taught to label emotions and thoughts. And that's fine, too. I just find that seeing them as family members or parts allows more engaged connection. Not quite as scientific. Labeling can be a bit, almost like one step behind what's happening. You know, when you say thinking, you're you're sort of one step behind. But when you're feeling what thinking is as a family member, or judging as a family member, there's there's more of a compassionate presence with it. So it's it's a slightly different way of being. And really, the whole idea of this retreat is to teach you how to be in wholeness with all parts of you. So the whole becomes the part, the part becomes the whole. And that's really what meditation is. It's an integration of all of who we are, no part left out. And some of the qualities of wholeness are, there's actually a lot of C words here. There's eight of them. Curiosity, calm, creativity, compassion, connection, clarity, confidence, and courage. But I think mainly to remember that there's a curiosity and a compassion and a calm. And that's how we meet each family member, each part of ourselves with dignity and with engaged awareness. And again, it's not a new concept. The Zen master Dogen, I forget what year he was, probably around the time of that nun, 
he said that it's intimacy with the 10,000 things. It's intimacy, not just some mindful labeling. It's intimacy with the 10,000 things. And the 10,000 things are what's in you, what you see out there and everyone else, all these things around us. It's an intimacy with that. And the Buddha, when he was under the Bodhi tree, he was getting this intimacy with all of who he was. He was getting attacked by different mind states. I'm sure there were positive ones in there too. He was just starting to develop this understanding of all parts of himself and the ability to just rest with all of that of who that he was. And the children has a really nice analogy of sometimes when we come to sit, it's like we're trying to get 17 frogs in a bowl. <laughs> and, you know, when you come to sit down, you want your mind to be quiet. You've got the part that wants to do something at home. And all the frogs are always trying to jump out of the bowl. And you can never completely get all 17 frogs in the bowl. <laughs> you can certainly drive yourself nuts trying. And it's that sense of how you are with the fact that you come here and you have 17 frogs when you sit on the cushion and one that parts to evaluate your practice or think about how the person next to you is doing better and, or just fall asleep. These are all our frogs. And it's not so much about trying to control it and get all those frogs in a bowl because there's always one jumping out. Do you notice that? You get three and two jump out. So it's that way that we can make our whole awareness the bowl, make our life our practice. And then it's more the how with all these frogs jumping out of your bowl when you sit on the cushion. It's the how. That engaged re relationship, that engaged awareness. There's a saying from Milton Erickson, a therapist. He said, you are this and you are that. You are both at the very same time, and so much more. And that's that inclusivity, right? You can be this, that, both at the same time, and so much more. It includes all those frogs. And really, the idea of this retreat is not to split you into parts, but to know the you that can make space for everything. The Heart Sutra, form is emptiness. Emptiness is form. And if I were to say that there's one single thing that's really been cultivated out of 30 years practice for myself, it's the spaciousness, the ability to make space for everything, the 10,000 things. And I heard a really nice analogy of this a long time ago about you might have anger, you might have sadness, you might have restlessness, you might have judging parts of you. But when you first come to practice, it's almost like you got all those parts of you are like furniture in a really small room. And you're bumping up against, oh, God, there's my anger, there's my judgment, there's my restlessness, right? But over time with practice, it's like we put that same furniture out in that field over there. How much is it going to be a problem? How much are you going to bump into it when you have this huge space that that furniture's in? Not much. So really the great gift of practice is it gives us tremendous space. People ask me, I, I can have a very spacious mind, and I it wasn't always this way. <laughs> There's a lot of tightness, a lot of bumping into furniture early on, and now it's, it's really a lot easier. 
And Nevada is a great place to practice. There's so much spaciousness. So you, you can really, that is the quality of this place. So you can let yourself just feel that when a part of you comes up that's irritated or restless. Give it that space or that field out there. And the nice thing about the spaciousness is it's naturally who you are. You don't have to create a party that's trying to be spacious. I'm sure you've done that, right? Trying to be compassionate. Your compassionate, engaged presence, it's naturally who you are. We forget about it, and I'll talk about it more tomorrow, but we learn not to trust that in ourselves. Because often through different traumas as we grow up or just life circumstances, it kind of squeezes out this ability to trust this compassionate presence of you. So in a way, meditation is allowing yourself to find it again, to re-know it and to trust it. So you don't have to try and be that part. It, It just is who you are. And there's a full silence that's you. And often what's happened in throughout our lives is we've learned to blend with emotions, blend with a trying part, a doing part, a selfing part, and feel like that's who we are. Anger. I mean, we often know the things that really hurt. We know those aren't us. But how well do we know the observer is not who we are? Like I said, you're being breathed. You're being thought, you're being aware, and just feeling what that's like. And you know, if you have a party that jumps in trying to understand that, just let that be. <laughs> I had somebody in the last retreat, he said, You know, Amita, you're telling me to be an obs- not be the observer is like asking me to be a rabbit. <laughs> and there's no way I can be a rabbit. He said, Don't worry about it, just let yourself not know. It's like I said earlier, like just being present can be the way we would if we were watching a fawn, a fawn laying in the sun, in the woods. When you come up on it, there's a sense of, ah, right? There's just this open way that you're kind of quiet watching it. Our whole life can be like that. And you have parts that might jump in and go, well, when's the fawn going to move? And <laughs> where, yes, where's its mother? That's great, yeah. Am I really seeing it? Am I really as quiet as I need to be? You know, and you let all that relax back. That can be there, right? Then there's just this awe, this natural ability to watch the fawn laying in the sun. Even though that part might jump in, where's its mother? Then you're just back to this. And the same with this talk right now. You can be trying to understand, trying to hear what happens when you let that part step back that's trying or relax. I like to say relax to the side or back. What's it like hearing things now? When any trying or figured out part is more back here, Just notice it's a little bit, it might have a little bit more spaciousness, it might not. There is, again, that compassionate, engaged presence that's just naturally here. Like when you see a fawn, when you're listening to me right now with all of you just let relax back, there's just that pure listening. 
Life is knowing itself through you. My teacher says this, Adyashanti, life is knowing itself through you. Presence is waking up through you. There's not a lot you need to do. But if you have doing parts and trying parts, you let them step back. It's okay. We have like the same songs that kind of play over and over again. You might notice that. I have some really good planning and judging parts. <laughs> and it's okay. That's just the human thing. It, it, you know, more and more I find with the practice, again, that spaciousness, I can have these kind of old songs and patterns that play out. And it's like really no big deal. I can notice I have like maybe a teacher part that wants to over-explain things or remember to tell you this or that. And it's just, it's fine that it's there. And it's like that furniture out in the field. And eventually, you know, it's this real sense that all parts are welcome and we make a really big space in this presence of you. And often when we sit, we might see, you know, the agitation and more difficulty, boredom. But really, it's like there's lots of kids playing in our internal family, playing in the playground. When you go to a playground, generally you notice the kids maybe that are fighting or crying, right? Your eyes drawn to that. When you sit down on the cushion, you're going to notice parts of you that are agitated or bored. But you have joyful and creative parts. We just don't notice those kids on the playground because they're happy, they're at peace. And eventually, through the practice, all parts of you kind of come to settle down in peace, and they're like kids all sitting around you at a story circle. <laughs> and there's just this big presence of you, and they're all just standing around and being who they are. Robert Haas, he's a poet, he writes, In all the mountains, stillness. In the treetops, not a breath of wind. The birds are silent in the woods. Just wait. Soon enough, you will be quiet too. You will be quiet too. There's a nice little, very short story about this sense of we-ness and collaboration versus letting one part lead. An anthropologist proposed a game to kids in an African tribe. He put a basketful of fruit near a tree and told them that whoever got there first won the sweet fruits. When he gave them the signal, they ran and all took each other's hands and ran together. They then sat in a circle and joined the treats. When he asked them why they chose to run as a group when they could have had more fruit individually, one child spoke up and said, Ubuntu. How can one of us be happy if all the other ones are sad? Ubuntu in their culture means I am because we are. And that's that principle of family. Making space for all parts of you. That sense of us working together. One teacher said we are both the actors and the play itself. More be a more dharmic way of understanding it. We've got all these aspects of ourselves, thoughts, emotions, and we're the play itself that it's all happening in. And I like to remind myself to look up from the story. <laughs> and the meditation we're going to do in the afternoon is about looking up from the story. And even though there's the actors and what's happening, the storyline for today or tomorrow or this month or your life, Look up from the story and 
know the you that's both the actors and the play itself. It's that sense of coming inside and seeing where you find yourself. Who are you? Where do you find yourself? When you're not blending with any emotion or mind state, who are you? What does that feel like? Let all aspects of you, all parts of you, be like children at your feet. Who are you? The Buddha said when there's no preconception, the mind sees security in everything. When there's no preconception, the mind sees security in everything. And when you have aspects of you that want to conceive or know, just let them be. You notice that security is already here. My teacher says often, if you before you sit down in the cushion, notice that whatever you're sitting down in the cushion to get, you already have. <laughs> it's already here. And in closing, just that sense of really just today to be aware of the way that we kind of clench. We can have this energetic clench in our system that can happen. And that's generally when we're blended with a part. We're not in that spacious quality. Not that that's bad, but just to be aware when you have a clench of your heart or mind, that's a pattern. And often the areas where we're clenched are just places of us that are carrying sorrow, carrying some kind of sorrow in our system. So we bring tenderness to that. We bring engaged presence to that. We don't try and push it out. We don't try and override it. Bringing tenderness. Bringing tenderness to where we can get polarized. You know, when you come to retreat, there's party that sits down on the cushion and really wants to be somewhere else. <laughs> and then there's a part of us that really is glad we're sitting. And just let yourself just have both be true. And sometimes if there's a part of me that's real agitating, wants to be somewhere else, I let that part of me be somewhere else. And I just say, yeah, we're here. And not in a forcing way, but in a real organic, engaged, compassionate way. You can have that part go swim in the ocean in Maui. Or go clean your house. And then you reconnect with what does want to be here. And even deeper than that party that's committed to the silence and maybe further in your meditation practice, just this party that is, that's just here, that just this presence that's here, that doesn't even have an agenda. And you see, as I'm talking, there's so many levels to this. It's, it's really beautiful. The Dharma is sort of endless. <laughs> it's great like that. So it's being where these places where we might carry burdens or sorrows or clenches. The poet Rilke says, perhaps everything that frightens us is in its deepest essence something helpless in us that wants our love. And, you know, your heart really comes to more and more tenderness through the practice. Tenderness and strength. (laughs) Never underestimate the strength of tenderness.
So just remembering what the Kapuna Abraham Kavai'i said, everything you feel and everything that is here is a member of your family. You adjust the members of your family so you stand powerful in your place at the center of your universe. Approach your family members with dignity. He said the dignity of the universe of yourself. That's a powerful thing. And yet it's done with complete tenderness, like watching that fawn in the sun. And I want to close with um, a quotation from the Velveteen Rabbit. And then we'll sit for a minute. He said, you become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because when you are real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. So this practice is about not allowing any parts of ourselves to be ugly anymore. With complete tenderness, letting them all be in this great presence of this velveteen rabbit who said, when you are real, you cannot be ugly. Let's sit for a minute. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.